We're here to celebrate the cross, which means nothing without Christ dying on it for you and for me. But because of that, the cross means everything. Amen. I want to bring you a message today before we receive communion, and we'll put the spotlight right on the cross and the Christ who gave his life for us. When I came in today, I came in praying all the way in. I prayed before I left. I prayed all the way here. And I'm praying in particular in that trip for everyone traveling in here today. We've been praying for the staff and management of this hotel. I prayed for this hotel and intercession, the people who work here. And uh, Jennifer Rich is uh, in charge of all of the coordinating and setting dates we are good for the for the next duration of Sundays as we go forward, except for next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have a bye week. That's what they call it in football. We won't be here. We, we were here when we were, they were supposed to have a schedule, and we had to leave. Next week, we're not scheduled, so it'll be our fault this time. If we, so I hope you will miss being here. That's a good amen. I really appreciate it. I was going to ask you to do that again, but that was a good one. Amen. I'm going to miss being here. I really mean it. I enjoy gathering together with God's people. I enjoy getting into the Word of God. I enjoy worshiping the Lord. Amen. If you turn with me in the Old Covenant to Exodus, or just want to write it down, mark, mark it down somewhere, Exodus 17, 8 through 16. We'll read this verse, these verses. Under the subject, fighting under God's banner. Just say that with me this morning. Fighting under God's banner. Every situation for God's people, they never had enough without God. And when they thought they did, it became a sin. When David numbered Israel to see how many men he could put on the battlefield. It was a grievous sin. That's an amazing thing. It sounds logical, it sounds reasonable. If he had no covenant with God, didn't know God, he wouldn't be held as accountable to put his trust in God. But instead, he began to trust his military might. It's logical, it's reasonable, but it was a sin against God because it's saying, in essence, we really don't need God anymore. We can handle this. We got this. That's a very, very sinful attitude and it doesn't just hurt God it upsets him a plague came on the children of Israel evidently as the king was moving away from trusting God so they were moving away from trusting God and when that happens enemies prevail over you you become vulnerable to enemies that's why when you fight you fight under his banner not under the banner of your political persuasions, the banner of your, uh, your nation, the banner of your hero, but under his banner. And if you're outnumbered, it's okay. Because the weaker we are, when we trust in him and he gives us victory, the more glory he gets. I haven't been to Bible college. Surprise, surprise. I did not graduate with a Ph.D. in theology, although in some churches it's required to even get in the pulpit, it seems. 
when they introduced me at a, it was a Baptist church that they let me in. Isn't that incredible? Miracles do happen. Amen. They, they, because of a, a deacon that went there, worked with me and talked to the pastor and said, he's the real deal. You ought to have him come on pastor appreciation. It was a church newly remodeled. They had spent about a million dollars on, on uh, remodeling it. It was a very nice church. Had about 800 people that Sunday for pastor appreciation. And when he introduced me, he said, and now I'd like to introduce Dr. Robert Venable. And I thought, you know, I've never been to medical school. I, I don't know what he's talking about. He'd never heard me preach, but he, in order to be in that pulpit, you, you must, it is, it is assumed that you have a degree in psychology and theology and all the other ologies. And all they got was someone anointed of the Holy Ghost. What a bummer, huh? It's just exactly what we need in every church. We need, the, we need Bible study. We need, we need all of that, but we need desperately the anointing of God. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. When God's people go to battle, they're always outnumbered. We're outnumbered today. That's why we've got to fight under His banner if we expect to see any victories. I want to tell you that we're not here, that we were asked to pray uh, for Rachel Rich today, and we have, and we will continue to do that in intercession. This is all about intercession. It will play into just about everything that we minister and preach. We're going to celebrate Jesus on the cross, interceding. Amen. He's able to save them to the uttermost, to the furthest extent. You can't get any more saved than Christ can save you. Because not only did he die on the cross, he rose from the dead, and he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. Can you say amen? You're saved because of his sacrifice and his interceding in our behalf, presenting his shed blood in our behalf. That's why I fight under his banner. Don't feel bad because we are outnumbered and our numbers are shrinking in America, not around the world necessarily where God's moving, but in the, this rise from the dead, that's called revival. That's called revival. Awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Outnumbered is a good place to be if your trust is in the Lord, if you're fighting under His banner. Because you're assured victory. Because God goes out before us that we might have that victory. And if I don't read this scripture, I'll preach all over the Bible. And I want to preach from this scripture. Exodus 17, 8 through 16. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said, oh, by the way, Amalek, let me tell you something about the Amalekites. The Amalekites were called plunderers by all the people that knew their nature, knew what they did. They were like modern day. Modern day, they would be pirates who would go into a town and plunder it kill people, ravage women, just tear it up and take the spoil. That's what the Amalekites were, and they were a mean bunch to deal with. Israel was without water, had been without water. They were without provisions. They didn't have a big army to put on the battlefield. 
And you're going to see that Joshua was told to go out and take what they did have, which was a very small military to put on a battlefield against such a formidable foe. In the Roman armies, they, they were, there were so many of them, so an overwhelming amount of people when they fought against other nations, but not so with Israel. Just want you to know Amalekite was a plunderer, and we're fighting a plunderer today. In fact, we're fighting a thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. But... Jesus said, but I have come to give them, those people that are being robbed and killed and will be ultimately destroyed without intervention and without intercession, because that's what brings intervention. Can you say amen? If the church doesn't intercede, we're not going to see revival. We're not going to see lost people brought into the kingdom. We've got so good at getting people in the building when our commission and our charge is to get people out of the powers of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's all about the kingdom of God and the king of glory and the kingdom of darkness and the prince of darkness. Listen carefully. We must fight under his banner if we are ever to win a battle. We will always be outnumbered in this battle. But there's more with us than there is with them. With them is the arm of flesh and all the demonic forces that influence the flesh. But listen, with us, with us is the Lord our God. Now, I would love to see some frowns turned upside down before we leave here today. If you're a Christian and you can't get into that reality and understand that victory is yours in Jesus and you're supposed to be a listen maybe you need to go through something maybe you haven't been far enough down to appreciate where he's lifted you up to but if you've ever been way down and he's lifted you way up you don't just get over it this is not just a Embracing a religious ideology. This is not just embracing a faith, even though it's correct. This is embracing a God who is real, who is relevant, and who wants to help you in life. You may feel pretty good today, like you got it all together. A day will come when you won't have it all together. Just give it time. Give it time. A day will come when you will need God, and you will need Him desperately. And if you're a Christian, I've got good news for you. When that day comes, he will say, here am I. Can you say, man, where is the Lord God? Where is he? Where is he? That's what the, the prophet asked when he had Elijah's mantle and smote the river to get on the other side with that mantle. Where's the Lord God of Elijah? Amen. Well, we could turn that around like Leonard Ravenhill did and say, where are the Elijahs of God? Amen. The ones who will trust in him and see him move. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? How did he answer? Did he say with a roaring voice out of heaven, here am I? No, he parted the water. He supernaturally moved to confirm that he is the true and the living God. This gospel did not come in word only. So if you're looking for a scholastic journey into theology, you will be disappointed. 
If you need God to move in your life and help you, you've come to the right place. This is the right time. We're gathered in His name and He's in the midst of us. And He's not in the midst of us to be passive. He's in the midst of us to be active. Where two or more gathered in my name, there am I, there am I. Where is He? We used to sing the wrong song at the wrong time. We got the poor old me's and we sang the poor old me's. Standing somewhere. It sounds sentimental. It is. It's sad. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's not out here with us in the midst, but He's around somewhere. He might be in there. There may be somebody in there. Thank you, brother, for holding me back. <laughs> I'm glad that door was locked, aren't you? I could have walked out on somebody's meeting. Singing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. And, and he said, you ain't Jesus, get out of here. We sang that. We sang that, and we sang it with the deepest emotion. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the only one who cares, and he, it's all true. He's the only one. What, what we didn't, the only thing we got wrong in the song is Jesus in the shadows, Jesus in the peripheral, Jesus somewhere out there, but not right in here right now. Amen? He's the only one who cares and understands, but he's in the shadows. He's somewhere. But he's not right here, right now. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I. In the midst of them, 10,000 people in a mega church this morning, or 30,000, will have no more presence available than we have in this room right here and right now. I'm glad the crowd doesn't draw him. It's those gathering in His name that draws His presence. Not in the name of our religious persuasion. Not in the name of our denominational affiliation. Not in the name of the pastor or evangelist or prophet or apostle or bishop or archbishop or who in the world or, or whatever. And some people come for that pastor. Some people come for the Preaching the choir, few for the preaching for the choir or the praise team or the music. But if we come in His name, He said, I'm coming. Two or more in my name, I'm going to be in the midst of them. So I want you to look for Him today. We've come to glorify Him and He's here to receive it. And He's here to do business with us. Praise God. For two or more gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And the two of you, what that are gathered in his name shall agree as touching anything they shall ask it shall be given them of my father which is in heaven if you ever start getting prayers answered blessed are the people who know the joyful sound can you say amen hallelujah and the joyful sound is not necessary oh it's loud it's upbeat but it isn't necessarily joyful.
joyful. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Whom having not seen, you love with if it's a real relationship you have with him, enough to love him, even though you haven't seen him, because you have a spiritual relationship with him, whom having not seen you love with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We used to sing it with a frown. We learned to sing that lyric, that truth with a frown. It's hard to do. Oh, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable, full of glory. Oh, the heaven has never yet been told. Something's off. It's not just my singing. It's how I'm singing. It's joy unspeakable. You love Him? He's real? He's relevant? The Holy Spirit is manifesting Him in your heart, in your life, enough for you to actually love Him with joy. Hallelujah. Unspeakable. Another reason for tongues. When you can't find words, the Holy Ghost will give you words. That's why Paul said, I'll sing with my understanding, but I'm going to sing with the Spirit when I can't find a song that fits what I'm feeling in my heart. Because what I'm, what's happening in my heart is unspeakable. No poet has ever written a poem that's been put in prose, that has been put to music, that can express what's going on in my heart. Now, I know this is hitting some people today, amen, that don't know anything about it, have never experienced it, or one time did, but it's all gone. Amen. Well, God wants you to get it back, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Bible said, if you faint in the day of adversity, and boy, we're here right now, your strength is small. Why is your strength small? Is it because God is not with you? Is it because God is not for you? No, it's because we're not in that spiritual relationship with Him to give us the peace, the knowledge, the understanding. Hallelujah, that He's went out before us. We're fighting under His banner. We're hopelessly outnumbered, but that will bring more glory to God when He gives us the victory. Can you say amen? Somebody give Him a praise today. Uh, yeah. I started to say this side's got you, but there's more of them. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you to clap any louder. Let me get over here and clap with you. I'm glad to be healed of leukemia. I'm glad God let me get past my eighth birthday. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad he delivered me from sin's dread sway. I'm glad he brought me out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son today. More than anything else, I'm glad to be saved today. And I'm glad for a savior named Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Amalekites outnumbered them on the battlefield. I, I want to finish this. I want to read it, but wow. Joshua. Moses says, Joshua, take what we got. One time I was so discouraged, I was lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. That's low down, right? And Mike detected it. 
And he walked out to the car where I was. Oh, yes, I do. I don't stay down because God sends people and he does things to help me get up. Amen. And he came and he said, because we, we had about, we had a small crowd. How can you call something that small a crowd? Amen. You, <laughs> you got to be pretty desperate. We had a small crowd that morning. <laughs> Less than a hundred. Less than 50. Less than 40. Let, I could go on down if you, and, and Mike said we need to do just a simple statement, but it was inspired of the Lord at the right time. We need to do all that we can with what we have for as long as we can. All that we can. Did you know I'm still going on that right now? When we came in, we had a, we had a service here where the men out, outnumbered the women. Women, I'm serving notice on you. Amen. You're in a competition if you didn't realize it. Can you imagine the men outnumbering the women? The women normally are the spiritual prayer warriors and spiritual impetus. But God is calling men of God. Spoke to 30 men in Brooksville. Most of them wearing camo. I imagine they were all carrying. Can you say, man, this is, this is, uh, when, if I, if, if I, if I go speak, if I go speak for them, I, I've got to find me a camo coat. Amen. Of course, then they couldn't see me, but anyway, they'll hear me, and that's what's important. But God was calling men. God was calling men. God was calling the men. Not to just be the head of the house, but the priest of the home. Most men will eat up the head of the house. Like the man that found out that he was the head of the house in the Bible, told his wife, walked in and read the scripture, amen, <laughs> submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, amen, for, for the man is the head of the house like Christ is the head of the church as your servant. You know, there's a whole balance to that. But before he got it balanced, he got into trouble. He walked in, quoted that scripture, said, I'm the captain of this ship. She said, sit down, clown. You're rocking the boat. So the captain got demoted very quickly with that attitude. But God is calling men. The song was written, rise up, O men of God, and be done with earthly things. Rise up, O men of God. Be done with earthly things. That doesn't mean not go to work, fulfill responsibility, be a provider and protector in your family. Why those guys protect their family? Praise God. I don't don't mess with nobody up in Brooksville. I can tell you right now. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. They won't call the police. They won't even probably call an ambulance. They'll call the coroner. If they ever find your body, they'll call. They're providers. They're protectors. But God wants them to be spiritual coverings, spiritual priesthood. Now, my wife and I have a relationship. You see, my wife, is she's, 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 she's the balance to me. But when push comes to shove, she comes to me and she says, You're the priest of the home. You pray about this. She is happy to unload that onto me. And I'm happy she respects me enough to do it. Amen? Because I acknowledge, yes, I am. 
And I don't fight this thing with weapons of flesh and blood and intellect and ingenuity and even logic and reason. I fight under the Lord's banner. I fight under the Lord's banner. Listen carefully. It's the only way to win this battle. Put it in context quickly. Then came Amalek, fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. Remember, they're outnumbered. They're, they, they're not well equipped. They didn't look like that Roman soldier with all the penelope and, and paraphernalia to fight with. He said, you go out and fight them tomorrow. Actual physical hand-to-hand combat. I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. With the rod of God in my hand. When they were hopelessly outnumbered, they're back against the sea. Pharaoh's army, the mightiest army historically in the world at that time. Mad at them because they'd lost their firstborn. And plagues had come on Egypt because of them. They let them go out of fear. And now out of anger, they were set to destroy every last man, woman, boy, and girl. They chased them till their back was against the Red Sea. The sun was going down. They could see in the distance the fires of thousands of armed soldiers chariots and horses they're hopelessly outnumbered they're wondering what to do when dawn breaks they're going to break camp they probably won't even eat breakfast they were so eat up with rage and they're going to come down to destroy every man woman boy and girl that escaped out of Egypt I don't know if you realize it or not but the devil hates you And he hates me. Well, why? What did I do to him? It's not what you did to him. You used to serve him. You don't serve him no more. He's upset about that. But the reason he's enraged at you is because he knows he has but a short time. And he knows that he cannot defeat God because that battle has been fought and won. And it wasn't a tug of war. And it didn't take a long time. Jesus said, I beheld Satan when it occurred as lightning fall from heaven. Boom. Done. Demoniac at the, inhabiting the, the demon possessed man of the Gadarenes. Why comest thou when Jesus came on the scene? Why comest thou to persecute us before our time? They know there's a day coming. Whatever they do. In the, in the book of Revelation, through the Antichrist, the rage against every person that trusts in God through Christ. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth during this time. For Satan hath come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time. Oh, that the church knew. What Jesus know 
has told us and what devils know and doubt not. The time is short. Jesus is coming soon. And no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affair. It doesn't mean be irresponsible and not take care of your family and go to work and pay your bills. It means you need to carve out time to get ready for the coming of Jesus and be about the Father's business because Jesus is coming soon and time is short. Can you say man? He's enraged because he can't fight God. He can't do God any damage. He can't hurt Him until He hurts the object of God's love. If someone was torturing my wife and I had to stand back and watch her being tortured to death and killed. How does God feel about one person who is lost and on their way to hell? And there's no turning and they draw that last breath and their fate eternally is something the church don't get anymore. They believe in eternal salvation. They don't believe in eternal damnation because you hear about heaven sometimes. We're so earthbound, you have to go to a funeral to hear a good message on heaven. But they rarely even mention hell. And yet Jesus mentioned it more than heaven in the New Testament. Because as much as heaven is a place to be gained, more so hell is a place to be shunned. It's an unimaginable place. It's an inescapable place. Ten million years of banishment and punishment in that place. I said billion. Will not be enough to pay the sin debt. Sin to God is more serious than sin is to us. So serious, if He hadn't judged it in His Son, none of us could be saved. For He is just and a justifier of them that trust in Christ. That's why this communion is a celebration of salvation and a Savior that was willing to leave the glories of heaven, become poor in the physical sense, and leaving His throne in heaven and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, not even opening his mouth when they accused him falsely. So Satan is after every soul that he can capture. And if the church doesn't get it, Christians looking for something more, something physical, something tangible from God, instead of celebrating that, that is incalculable in terms of its worth. For you are not redeemed with silver and gold. That means ransomed in the Greek. A price was paid. A price was paid. The focus in communion is on the price that was paid. You were not redeemed with corruptible things. First Peter 5, 7, like silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. When the blood ceases to be precious and we begin to put the premium 
on silver and gold, on material things, even on physical health. I'm glad to be healed today. But if I had died as a Christian, and I would have died as a Christian, raised in a Christian home, and not even at the age of accountability, because I, I didn't know, I didn't receive Jesus till I was 12. And then fell away from Him, because I didn't understand how precious this gift is, how priceless it is. But when I came back to Him, I came back all the way. Hallelujah. And I don't have to remember Lot's wife and what may happen if I go back, so I better not look back. There's nothing back there for me. There's nothing in this world. I don't have a struggle with not loving the world. Look at it. Take a good look around. Look at the superstars. Look at them. Look at Bill Gates, a multi-billionaire. Look at him. His marriage is on the rocks. He's got a face that's starting to look aging before his time. He's got a, you I don't see Bill Gates smiling about anything. When he started Microsoft and began to get all the money rolling in, they asked him about his faith. You know what he said? He said, in the sheer allocation of time, I don't have time. In other words, I'm too busy building my wealth and building this empire to be concerned about religious stuff and eternity and heaven and hell and all of those things. There's a day coming when Bill Gates will be deeply concerned about all of those things because it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. If you want to read about that judgment, that the world outside of the kingdom of God, outside of Jesus, it's in Revelation chapter 20. No one escapes it. Great white throne judgment. The earth gave up their dead. By the way, just for the record, because I'm not going to finish that message, it's clear. It's a good message. I start to say I can't wait till next week, but I can't wait till week after next. The earth gave up her dead. The sea gave up its dead. No person that has ever breathed breath and died escapes that judgment except for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. When you got saved... There's, I believe it's literal. It's a spiritual. I'm not talking figuratively. I believe there is a book. The Bible talks about a book. And I don't believe it's figurative. It is a spiritual book. It's spiritual penmanship that writes your name in it. But your name is recorded. And from that moment forward, the Scripture said our conversation, not us talking with one another, how we talk our conversation means our behavior, and in, in, in particular, our citizenship. It's translated in the Greek. Right now, my name is on heaven's book that requires... God, listen, if I don't turn back, He will not blot my name out of that book. 
It's in that I have an incentive to keep on keeping on, to endure to the end, for we are partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We're warned lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know what the falling away is? It's a departing from the living God. A megachurch pastor. He's got it all. He's got people listening to him preach every Sunday by the thousands. He's he's got he's got this praise team. He's got this this staff taking care of things. He's a celebrity preacher. He's young. He's healthy. He talks like he's got it all together. And yet he walks out one day and declares, I am no longer a Christian as biblically defined. I no longer relate to Jesus in any sense of the word. I'm at, at least I'm an agnostic and beyond that I'm even an atheist. How can that happen? How can that happen? Listen, this is a day to dig in. This is a day to hang on. Because you don't have to hang on tight. You just have to put your hand in His hand. And He'll hang on to you. Amen. Those my Father hath given me. That's not people that just signed the role of a church but had their name written in heaven. Those my Father hath given me. Amen. No man. No man shall pluck them. You can take yourself out, but nobody else can. Nobody can disqualify you. Nobody can tell you you can't go to heaven if you've been really given to Him by the Father because no man comes to me except my Father. Draw them. Can you say man? No man will pluck them out of His hand, out of my hand for the Father that gave them me. He's greater than them all. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Keep your trust in the Lord. Keep your faith in God. Don't look back and never even consider going back. Let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on to perfection. Completeness. Not that I have attained, Paul said. It's not a done deal. But I'm going to make it a done deal. Not that I have attained, but that I might attain that I might apprehend what He's apprehended me to apprehend. Forgetting those things that are behind. And reaching forth, straining forward in the Greek. Against the wind, counterculture. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. If the Apostle Paul had to press on, we need to press on. And we need to press in. This kingdom of God suffereth violence. The violence take it by force. Can I give you an example of that? There's a man that needs a miracle. And they have heard that Jesus is the miracle man. They don't know about him being the Messiah and all of that yet, but they know he's a miracle man. And they decide to take their friend, because the doctors can't help him, to the miracle man. Hallelujah. They come to a house where he is inside, and it is packed wall to wall, and people are standing on the outside. And I love this. He's on a stretcher. He's on some kind of, or else he's in something like a big tarp or blanket. They said, let's get up on that roof. 
Let's get him up on the roof. And it wasn't just their faith. He had to act, he had to let them do this. And that's kind of scary. Are these guys nuts? Amen. I come, I come, I need to be healed and they're going to kill me trying to get me on the roof. Just leave me alone. No, if there's any hope, if he's in that house, get me to him. Well, we can't get in. We can't press in. We can't come in like the woman with the issue of blood, but even she had to press in. Amen. She had to crawl on her hands and knees. She was so weak. Amen. Because of all the people around Jesus. And you can see her. Can you see this weak woman crawling on hands and knees? And she said it in her heart. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. Hallelujah. He don't have to stop walking. He don't have to notice me. All I have to do is touch the hem of his garment. They knew something about the hem of a priest's garment. They knew. Read the book of Ruth. You you want him to take you in, take responsibility for you, marry you, protect you, and care for you? Amen. Because your husband is dead, go into his bedroom about time for him to get up, about time for the sun to rise. Take his garment and put it over your head. Can you say amen? Because you're saying, I want you to cover me. I don't have a husband and I don't have any way of eating. My mother-in-law has lost a son. I've lost a husband. And you're a man that can take care of us. And I'm beseeching you. And I'm looking for a covering. I don't believe she just went with her pinky touch. I believe she grabbed the hem and put it right over her head. And they all knew what that meant because Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, who touched me? And they looked at him like they're pressing all over needing something from you. They're elbowing each other to get to you. But here comes somebody crawling on the ground grabbing his garment. And he said, who touched me? They said, how do you know? See, it's a different touch. It's a different touch. It's a different touch. Hallelujah. Because he said, when that person touched me, without him have, have you talk about showing he's God. He, he knew she was coming. He knew she touched him and he felt it. He said, when she touched me, somebody touched me. And just received a miracle because virtue has went out of me. Virtue has went out of me. That had nothing to do with diminishing his character. It was miracle working power has just flowed. Wow. There's a lot of people won't press in. My uncle, he died prematurely. He fell away from the Lord. He was a preacher of the gospel for many years. He was high-ranking in the religious organ, and it was spiritual, Pentecostal, spirit-filled. But he fell away. He didn't renounce God like this guy did, and others are going to do in these last days. But he quit serving God. And he went deep into the world and into sin. And it just about destroyed his body and his health. He lost his family. He lost his standing within that denomination. He lost his credentials as a minister of the gospel. But he didn't finally lose his faith. He came back to the Lord 
on a Wednesday night service with just a handful of people at the Holy Church of God in Sulphur Springs. He rededicated his life to Christ. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people came to the Lord in 50 years of ministry. Hallelujah. And my legacy is those people. Not some mega church. There's nothing wrong with that. I wish I had one. Amen. That would be just fine. Amen. I could hire a big staff. I could pay my song leaders. <laughs> and they're praying for a mega church as well. I could pay my secretary. She's praying for a mega church as well. My wife don't want no mega church. <laughs> she, she's seen me under the gun too many times. Hallelujah. But God knows what he's doing. And I'm just happy to be serving him today. I'm happy to be a servant of the Most High. I'm happy to be a doulos doulos. You are like Nehemiah on the wall doing a good work and you won't come down. <sighs> Say that again. I liked it. You're like Nehemiah on the wall. You're doing a good work and you won't come down. Like Nehemiah on the wall. They said, come on down. We need you for this. You need to do that. You need to be here. He said, why should I come down in the work cease? I'm not coming down from the wall. Glory be to God. Thank you. Do as much as we can with what we've got for as long as we can. I believe that's pleasing to God, and that's enough for me to keep going on. Are you glad you're here today? Are you glad we're still in business for the king today? Those people downstairs are still glad. They can call on a a church group that they believe can touch the hem of his garment. Not only that, that can receive an answer for in behalf of someone. Praise God. We are here strategically. That's why I prayed for the campus today. All the way in. All the way in. Touch everything person on this campus and in this hotel and God's beginning to do it praise God I pray he touches you today hallelujah I pray he touches Pamela today she comes in here singing that song the Holy Ghost will set your feet a dancing he'll set your heart a dancing too and dances <laughs> hallelujah amen listen carefully when we pray we need to have a Holy Spirit of expectation. They take this man up on the roof and they start tearing whatever type of roof it was. They're tearing a hole in it. Jesus is teaching inside and there's commotion going on. Uh, If they had insulation, it would be falling down. Something there's a there's a noise going on. There's rumbling on the roof first. And Jesus knows somebody's coming. Just like he knew that woman was crawling to touch him. Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. He's ready. He's he's more ready. He's more ready to answer than our faith is to receive. Amen. Oh, I don't know if you heard that. He's more ready. He's more ready to answer than our faith is to receive. Let me finish this with my uncle. There was a a, a name a named evangelist. I, I forget his name because I don't. I'm not a fan of certain people. I'm a Jesus fan, fanatic. That is. It's all right to be a football fan, right? It's okay to be a hockey fan, sports fan, rock singers fan. 
But you get fanatic about Jesus, you're a fanatic. Well, you're a fanatic of football. You're a fanatic of Taylor Swift. You're a Swifty. Right? Isn't that right? Swifties are fans. I, I won't tell you what. Over in England, what's his name that played Sherlock Holmes? Cumberbatch? No, don't even say it. You know what they call them, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it rhymes with batch. And they're fans. It's okay. Get excited. Come to church. Nothing to get excited about. God's way up there. We're way down here. We're outnumbered. We're overwhelmed. No, we're not. You need to press on. The kingdom of God allows for violence. The, I don't mean murder and, and chaos. And, and No, I mean this kind of faith that won't give in and won't give up. My uncle said, similar to what that lady said, he said, I believe if I can get in that meeting. Back then, Curtis Hickson Hall, we need bigger ones now for events, but it was the meeting place, and evangelists would come and hold conferences and pray for the sick. He said, I, I don't know, maybe it was Moore Sorello, whoever it was, because I took my son to a Moore Sorello meeting because he had migraine headaches, and the doctor couldn't fix it. Mama would put a compress on his head. They were severe. And give him some aspirin, and I would pray. And he kept getting them. School bus come in. Some kid come running up to our door. Mr. Venable, your son's laying down. He's holding his head. It was that severe. He got off the bus and just had to lay down, holding his head. He was about... At that time, I think 12 years old, I ran to the bus stop, scooped him up, brought him home, heard about a revival meeting. I, my faith was still growing, and I took him to that meeting that night. And we were in that meeting, and I thought the man of God was going to have a big prayer line laying hands on people. All he did was quote Isaiah 53. He just walked out and said, When we saw him, there was nothing we should desire him. But we did consider him smitten of God and afflicted. But surely he bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. With his stripes we are healed, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. We all like sheep have gone astray, but God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He said, if anyone needs healing, I want you to stand up. Boy, I grabbed my son by the hand. We both stood up. He said, somebody that believes Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody in this audience that has faith to believe that God is here in the midst of us. Go over in the name of Jesus and lay your hand on somebody that is standing. I thought, man, you're the man of God. You're the celebrity preacher. And here you are wanting all the glory to go to some grandma up there with white hair. Can you say, man? You got on the nice suit. You got the microphone. But a little old lady. Oh, man. I almost called my wife that the other day. Y'all pray for me. Amen. 
because <laughs> she's little and we are aging. I got to be careful in these days. <laughs> a little old white-haired lady. Oh, by the way, there's some people with, you know, they want the glory, the hoary head and all, but there's some people that are waiting uh, as long as they can. Anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. She came over to my son and I, and she put her hand on his head and said, what does he need? I said, healing from migraine headaches. She said, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Oh, so humble, so sweet, so full of faith. I prayed because with your stripes we were healed, that you would heal this young man in Jesus' name. Went and sat down. We went home. From that day till the day he went to heaven, not one more migraine headache, not one more Tylenol plus, not one more aspirin. Praise God. God did it. God healed him. But, but we stayed in that meeting. A man left because he didn't press in. The kingdom of God allows you to reach out into this thing. To press in. When he found out the man of God wasn't going to lay hands on people, he said, I don't have time for this. i got to get up and go to work. Said it. He was upset. He wanted to get in that line, get his healing, get out of the building. And he left. I don't know what he needed, but I can comfortably say he didn't get it. My uncle said, if I can get in that meeting, another meeting just like the one my son was healed in, if I can get in that meeting, I believe God will heal me. He went down to Curtis Hickson, went around two times, couldn't find a parking space, turned around and left. That's not pressing in. Faith doesn't just believe in the heart. Faith without works is what? Dead. How dead? Graveyard dead. What if he, what if he found a way? In closing, this is the first one. We have several. Don't get too excited. But we do have to receive communion. Listen. I went through nervous exhaustion. I was prayed for. I prayed. My wife prayed. I had people pray. I went all the way to PTL when they were right with God and people prayed for me. I finally went to Atlanta to a meeting because I needed other, I just needed my faith built up because it seemed like there was no help and hope for me. Got up in Atlanta. Couldn't find a motel because that conference, everything was sold out. Couldn't find a hotel. Found a bed and breakfast. Oh, wow. They had fruit in the room and a large bottle of wine. Two glasses. And I believe if the devil ever spoke to me, he spoke to me. Because I, I was disappointed in the Lord. I was discouraged that that answer hadn't come. And I'd get out of this and not have to press any longer or any further or wait any longer. And it's like an impulse. If you drink that bottle of wine, you will calm down. If you drink that bottle of wine, no one will know but you and your wife. And you 
can probably sleep tonight instead of being on three pillows trying to believe with anxiety attacks. Go ahead and drink that bottle of wine. You know what scared me? Not that God would get me, but that it would work. And it would work so well that my faith would shift from seeking God for the answer to that quick fix for my problem. You see the strategy of the devil? And I poured that sucker right down that sink, and I didn't even smell the bottle. I didn't even want the fumes. I said, live, die, sink, swim. My trust must stay in the Lord. For without Him, I'm without hope. Just like the world, no wonder they're drinking, shooting up, toking up. Amen. Why? Because there's, there's no hope for them outside of God, and they don't know the Lord. My wife was, said, you go on, tired from the journey. She had been through that same thing. There was a fire escape. She said, I had a thought when I told her this battle I was having spiritually. She said, the devil told me, just jump off there. Go out on the fire escape and fall three stories to your death. And God will take you home and you'll be out of the pressure, out of the problems. We were broken people. I went, I went <laughs> to the Omni downtown Plant City in Plant City, downtown Atlanta in a rental car looking for a parking space. I didn't find any. I went around three times. I didn't find any. But I decided I'm going. If I have to walk a half a mile, I'm going. I want to show God that I, I am not going to give up on Him, accuse Him. I'm not going to lose patience with Him or just lose patience, period. And I said, Lord, help me. Help me get there. Help me. Help me press in. I think it was the third time I went around. Somebody pulled out. When they pulled out, I pulled in. But it ain't over. The devil don't give up that easy. I thought of my uncle. Because he told me what happened to him. And I thought, I'm getting in. I need this boost in my faith. I need to be where the anointing is flowing. I need where other saints are praying. So I went in the Omni, and they have these entrances into where the meeting is taking place. The seats were filled. The entrances, people were standing in the entrances looking in. And I'm standing there, and I go and peek in. And just before the service was about to start... The ushers were saying, is there anybody got an empty seat? We got people standing that can't get in. And nobody lifted their hand. I thought, I can't even get into the meeting. God, you give me a parking space and I can't get in the meeting. And a little old lady. A little old lady. Come walking up to me. And said, sir. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe God speaks to people today? I said, yes, ma'am, I certainly do. I want to hear from him. I didn't go into all of that. He said, are you looking for a seat? 
I thought, is a frog skin waterproof? I didn't tell her that, brother. I was very dignified. You got the frog skin thing? Don't ever use it in a public place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is a duck's bottom watertight? I mean, I could go on and on. You know what she said? You know about that. Come on. She said, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that God speaks to people today? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, I want to tell you a quick story. She said, four of us came here hours early to get a seat down front for this meeting. And a lady, friend of ours, called us and said, if you get up close to the podium, save me a seat and said, so we all put our purses in a seat down front, all three of us, in that fourth seat. And said, ushers came by and said, is anyone going to sit in that seat? And we told them the truth. Yes, they're on their way. They're on their way. She said, but I was sitting there and the Lord said, she ain't coming. This seat isn't for her. But if you go out in the foyer, I'll show you a man that it is for. Amen. (laughs) Do you understand what the Lord has done for this preacher? I'm not preaching dead letter from a dead book from a dead God. I'm preaching the Logos, I'm preaching the Rhema, and I'm preaching the reality of a living God. Hallelujah. And a loving God. And a listening God. And a lifting God. Hallelujah. (laughs) She said, come and follow me. And I walk down front and sit down on the front row. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I heard a message I probably preached more than he had. But this time it was coming under a special anointing. May have been for a lot of people. But I know it was for me. And all he did was read a simple message. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And when he said with God, I knew I was with God. And I knew, I knew. You talk about light at the end of the tunnel. The little spark of faith came alive in me. Pretty soon a little fire of faith began to spring up in me. Did it happen and you went home healed and fine? No. No, but I knew from the time I left, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know how it's coming. I don't know how long it's going to take till it gets here. But I already know it's coming. And that's all I need to know to hold on and press in. Can you say man? What did they do in conclusion? They went up on that roof. They tore a hole in that roof and lay that he's preaching and a man is being lowered from the roof right down and people begin to push back to to give room would you consider that similar to what it means the kingdom of God allows you to press in and says it's okay to tear the roof off you can Fix it when he's, when this is over. The Bible said when he saw their faith, the man's faith, the people letting him down's faith, 
That's when he told him, arise, take up your bed and walk. That's when the miracle occurred. We got a problem today with impatience. We got a problem today with weak faith. We got a problem today with giving up too soon. We got a problem today with questioning God when we should question what have we done with the knowledge we have of him and his faithfulness. We need to press in. If a woman so weak from the loss of blood she can, can't stand up, crawls to touch the hem of his garment. Ask her if it was worth it when you get to heaven. When she lived out her days and brought glory to God and was healed supernaturally. How many believe in pressing in and pressing on? Glory to God. So today in Holy Communion, I pray that whatever you're believing God for, you'll fight under God's banner, hopelessly outnumbered, but not helpless, because the Lord goes before you in this battle. Did you receive something today that you believe will help you in your faith life? Will help you to keep on keeping on and don't give up on what you're believing God for. Set yourself. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It'll be worth it because the kingdom of God allows for this kind of faith. (laughs) And people that operate this faith take it, not take it out of the hand of God, but out of all of the circumstances and opposition to it. The devil is going to fight you over that. But he don't want you to get the help because he knows then God's going to get the glory. Every every time I, you know what they told me downstairs at the desk? After I shared the testimony of being healed and we had to press in to get to the man of to have that prayer. On a week night, my mother had to get up early and go to work, but her son is dying. It was worth it to her to lose some sleep to get that prayer. And she said, man, you're a living, breathing testimony. I said, yes, every breath I take is a testimony to the faithfulness of God, and the goodness of God, and the greatness of God. Hallelujah. And the reason that we can have this kind of faith is because Jesus died for us with his stripes. You were healed. Primarily of sin's deadly wound. Secondarily, because the sin that is paid, God becomes our Father. And whatever you ask the Father your father and my father in my name he will grant it you praise the Lord he's a gracious God he's a good God how many want to get closer to him so the joy of the Lord can strengthen you for the last days that have every ingredient to weaken you distract you discourage you and defraud you from every promise and purpose of God's good in your life. I want to be a living, breathing representation of a great king, a good God, a good shepherd, Savior today. So we do this in remembrance of him who made it all possible. And the place, not only the person, but the place, the cross on which he stayed. 
until our sin debt was paid in full. At the cross, I first saw the light. Hallelujah. It's coming service communion today. If you have trouble opening this, I had to have someone open mine. We've got COVID-proof communion cups. You peel the very, very top. There's a wafer. You peel the second one. There's the juice. And I'll give you time to prepare it. And if you can't prepare it, we'll give you another one. One of them was bent last time. And you got fermented wine. I knew something was up. God is good. God is good. Not today. God is good. God is good. Let's prepare our hearts. Resurrection, and it reminded me. This song. Uh, it reminded me of the moment I got saved, um, and it also reminded me. Next, ne- this coming week is thirty-five years ago. I walked into this church the first time. Yeah, this coming week, and uh, I, I remember how it happened. It was not an immediate thing. It was kind of a gradual thing. Seeds were being planted and sown. The first time I walked into this church, I was at the lowest point of my life. I didn't want to live. And uh, I had even thought about taking my own life in, in, a, in an earlier time. Um, then uh, when I was in eighth grade, um, I was in a particular science teacher's class. And she... Um, she was going to help out with the fellowship of Christian athletes and they happened to meet the moment, the period that I was in her class. And she, so she said, if you, uh, don't want to, uh, go to this meeting, we'll, we'll send you somewhere else and give you some work to do. And of course I didn't want that. So, (laughs) so I went, I went to the meeting and they had a, uh, they had a professional football player. I can't remember who it was at the time. Um, and I was already at this point kind of suicidal. I hadn't, you know, gotten to that point yet, but I was getting there. Um, and he said in that meeting, if you take your life, you will go to hell. And so thank God for that. I didn't really understand anything else besides that at the moment. But, you know, as I came to this church and began to get seeds planted in he, in me, um, it got to a point fairly soon after I started when Jim Gates started taking over the teen class and he, he, he started off with the book of John and on, in the first, we read the first chapter on that first day and he said, for homework, I want you to go and read John chapter two and, uh, come back and we'll discuss it. So later that day, even I went and read John chapter two and something powerful was happening yes, sir. as I was reading the word of God. Yes, sir. And, uh, um, you know, I felt an actual physical reaction in my body. Like there was a power emanating within me as I was reading the scripture. And I couldn't put the scripture down. And I went on to John chapter Uh 3. And I went on to John chapter 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. And I went all the way. I got to the cross. And, you know, I went to Catholic school. 
Um, every there were crucifixes all yeah. over the school. We started our day off say, looking at the crucifix in the classroom and yeah. saying the Our Father, but I did not understand anything other than I was on my way to hell. Basically, is yeah. all I understood because I was a very sinful person and I was a very in very lost person, yeah. and I didn't know how to get free. Yeah. I didn't know how to walk away. Um, and, and live the life that God had called us to live. Yes. But when I got to the cross, this 13-year-old boy began to weep. Hallelujah. And a transformation began to happen. Yes. And I kept on reading all the way to the end. And, and, and life was changed because of that. And in, the, in my conversation with the Holy Spirit today... He was like, you know, many of us, oh, that's all we get. We get, we get saved. And, you know, we get a little happy maybe. We get lifted out of our depression. But I want more than, he wants more than that. That's right. He's given us the power to become the sons of God. Amen. He, he has given us the power to be transformed. He want, we are new creatures. Old things pass away and all things become new. We do not have to live in our bondage, we don't have to stay in the place that we that we got to get saved in. That He can transform us, yes. and so that's that's the message that He had for me on the way over here yes, today. Amen. Thank the Lord, Amen. And what a communion message when we're celebrating the cross and commemorating the death of our Sovereign and our Savior on that cross. Every successive generation of Christians. And I dare say Christians around the world, first Sunday, if they do it on the first Sunday, not just out of routine, but just we just do it in remembrance of Him. And we've decided we want to do it more than Easter and Christmas. We want to do it first Sunday and not let it become a ritual just like He's speaking to you. If you want to come back to the first love, come back to the cross. Doing your first works, it all started at the foot of the cross through Jesus Christ. The fire of the first love can be rekindled at the cross as we considered him that suffered such a great contradiction of sinners against himself. Where and when? At the cross when he gave his life for us. Lest you be weary and faint in your own mind. Today, we remember him dying for us. At and on the cross. The same night he was betrayed, he wasn't thinking of how many people rejected him and walked away from him and wanted to hurt him and harm him and where he was headed from that Lord's Supper, that first communion service after the Passover of the Old Covenant. He picked up the loaf of bread, he tore it in half, representing what was going to happen to his body. He said, this is my body, broken for you. As often as you eat this broken bread, do it in remembrance of me. They break the wafer and eat the wafer. giving your son thank you Jesus Christ for the cross thank you 
for the souls that will be in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you that they have laid hold on eternal life. Hallelujah. Then he walked over to the table and that Passover meal had four cups. One was saved for Elijah to come. They were looking for Elijah. The third cup represented their redemption. And ransomed and brought out of Egypt, he picked up that cup, the cup of redemption to them. He said, this is a new covenant. He, yes, it said testament. It's the word covenant in the Greek. Old Testament, new covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. Promises made, promises kept concerning Messiah, Savior, and salvation. He picked up the cup and he held it up. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the sins of many. As often as you drink this, as often as you drink this, you show, S-H-E-W, you declare publicly and openly my death until I come. What we're declaring, what they declared, we are saved today by the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we want the world to know we're not ashamed of this wonderful Savior that has given His all that we might be saved. You may drink the cup. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Can we have a victory song before we leave? One thing's for sure. Yes. Please. Um, this this weekend on well, you know I got loud. All right, on Friday, um, I go to the youth ministries um, where I used to work at. Yeah. Uh, with a girl that were in prison, teenage girls, and right. I go and speak with the youth ministry that goes there. And I've been doing it for probably about a month or so now. And last night, on Friday night, when I went, um, I usually speak my poetry, but the message wasn't about love. And um, a group of 12 girls or so and some workers, four or five workers, we started talking about love and then the um, phrase about forgiveness. Yeah. To really love, you have to forgive. Yeah. And one of the girls asked, well, how do you forgive? Yeah. And I said, well, forgiving is hard. I said, it first comes with a relationship with Christ. Right. I said, Christ changes you, renews your mind, renews your heart. Right. And that's when you're really truly able to forgive. Yes. So I just wanted to say that day that about 12 girls came to Christ. Yes. First time I bought some people to Christ. Oh, and I what God Amen. God. Tell God to help me with my words, help me with my. Yes. Yeah. And I just bring stuff up. And yeah. Coming, I'm like, God, thank you for just bringing yeah. everything that you've been put in me yeah. out to be able to help somebody else. Hallelujah. testimony of those 12 girls that came to Christ. Amen. And not just the girls, but the workers as well. The lady was like, I got to go back to church. Aha. Holy Spirit working through you and working on them at the same time. Amen. Glory to God. Give God a hand clap today. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you glad you got... Wait a minute. Go ahead. Amen. I, I just had a birthday. Uh, I'm 86 years old. I've got a sister. Uh, she lives in uh, Hilton, Head, Hilton Head, South Carolina. 
she was born on my on my 15th birthday. So she's 71. Her and her husband came down uh, to visit us and with my sweetheart and I, and, and we, we had some good fellowship. Yeah. We had some good food and some good fun. <coughs> and, and God really blessed and delivered. And I've been praying since I'm, I'm 86. I said, Lord, uh, what do you want me to do? Just I want to be led by the Spirit of God. That's you right. See, That's it, right. it's, I, I don't want to be wasting time. Right. And we're sitting here under under this ministry, yes. and, and we're doing our best to be faithful to the Lord and faithful to this ministry. Yes. So pray, God, that we will be led by the Spirit of God, obey God, and fulfill the work you've called us to, not leaving one stone unturned. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. Don't get me started. It's time to stop. God is good. It's worth the time. Worth the time today. Are you glad you came? Can we have a victory song to go home on? Hallelujah. I'm glad you got saved. Next week, they're having some kind of convention. We didn't get our new contract signed in time to get us straight through, so we're preempted in this room for next week. It'll be a bye week for us, and then we will be back in sequence and go straight forward and see what God does in the midst of a praying people. Hallelujah. Praying and believing God. So uh just wanted to make that announcement before you go.